Okay, good morning, everybody. This is Smile with Sai on Saturdays. And today we have a wonderful guest with us, Dr. Akanksha Goyal. Uh, she's an endocrinologist at NYU. So, you know, it's going to be a very exciting talk as we listen to her journey as to like how she became a doctor, how she came to the US, and what she does right now. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we're just here to have fun on a Saturday and just listen to the journey and, you know, the voice of actually all our clinicians on our platform. Um, so welcome, Dr. Akanksha Goyal. Thank you, Sai. Thank you for having me here. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Smile with Sai on Saturdays. It's a very smiling topic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, so very quickly for the audience, just wanted to quickly uh, give them a quick intro about direct shifts, about me, and then you know we'll listen to mostly from you, Dr. Goyal. Yes. Okay. So yeah, so I'm the CEO and founder at Direct Shifts. And what we do at Direct Shifts is we connect clinicians to employers for short-term or long-term opportunities. Our mission is to use technology to cut down the administrative burden and help find clinicians their next favorite job. Could be a short-term opportunity, it could be a full-time, and you know people can use our, go to our website, can see all our jobs, sign up, receive all alerts from there or through our mobile app. So this is in short what we have. Uh, you know, we have opportunities all over the United States for all specialties and occupations. We started off with physicians, but then slowly grew to all occupations. We have opportunities from a hospital to a clinic to telemedicine. So all different kinds of opportunities. So do check us out at www.directshifts.com. So this is about me and this is about us. But turning over the mic to you, Dr. Goyal, would love to hear a little bit about you and tell, tell the audience who you are. Uh, give them a quick intro about you. OK. Um, I'm Akanksha Goyal. I'm a physician. I'm an endocrinologist at NYU Langone Health. And um, I really enjoy what I do. And I'm really glad to be here on uh, Direct Shift's show. Because like I said, it's good to have opportunities, especially in today's uh, world. So I started very young um, in this field when I used to shadow my grandfather. But in my entire family, there's no one is a doctor except for me and my grandfather. So my father's father, and I used to see him back in India where he used to have like one room and he would used to do like private practice and see patients for general medicine and uh, take care of the cold and cough and like basic symptoms. And a lot of those patients would not even have money. So they would just give them like fruits and vegetables. And that's what my grandma would, would cook that day. So it was a very humble beginnings. And I used to love what he used to do. It was a lot of chit chat, talking to patients, knowing about them and helping them in whatever way he, he could help them. Uh, my grandfather has like four kids, five kids. All of them are not doctors. They're all engineers or in other fields. And um, I'm the only grandchild who's actually a doctor in, uh, in his, you know, in his heritage. And it's, it's nice. I started in Delhi. That's where I got my medical education, my medical schooling. 
then I applied for the U.S. Uh, MLE for further studies. I came from Delhi to the Bronx. I was in the Bronx for seven years uh, at Albert Einstein College of Medicine at Yeshiva University. And it was, it was an amazing time. It was an absolutely amazing time to be there, to like, to enjoy the culture, like, you know, the, the nitty gritties and to, to, to learn so much. Uh, and then eventually during my education, I realized I wanted to endocrinology, which mainly deals with diabetes, thyroid, a lot of hormonal disturbances, um, fertility, menopause. And what happens in our profession is we talk a lot. We chat with our patients a lot, and that's what I realized. It's, we give them some medications, but we also like chat with them. We talk with them. We know about them. Like, and over the past five years, my patients know me. I know them. Because at times it's it's a personal story. It's about obesity. It's about weight loss. It's about fertility. It's about thyroid, and we make some changes. But a lot of it is like education. Uh, a lot of it is like um, behavior changes. A lot of it is like you know like small steps we can take in making uh, our lives better. So after being in Bronx for seven years. Um, I got the opportunity through my mentor at Einstein uh, to join NYU Langone, which in 2016 was developing its its endocrinology unit. And I've been there for five years and it's absolute fun. It's absolute joy. Uh, during COVID, it was, I would look forward to go over there. Yeah. Um, my husband would not, but I would I would look forward to go over there. And even <laughs> now it's it's just absolute fun to be there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So lovely to hear. Oh, oh, and I think we have a lovely picture of you probably there. That is fantastic. Um, <laughs> so awesome to hear your passion um, about what you do. Yeah, um, so it, that's a great picture. Uh, thanks oh for pulling God. it up. And <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's a great picture uh, where actually you're explaining something to somebody it looks like. Um, so no, actually, so just to roll back the time, you know, such an interesting story. So it looks like you used to hang out with your grandfather. Yeah. And that's kind of what draw you to medicine. Is that what is that what happened? Yes, because I mean, uh, my parents would drop me off at my grandparents at my grandparents while they used to like, you know, go for their jobs so, or like on a livelihood and uh it was me my grandfather and my grandmother and i would just like be on a little side stool or something like that at times and see what he's doing because he had a clinic in his own uh, home in one of the rooms and just like and he was old at the time so he was also kind of retired and semi-retired and just like see like what he's doing and like you know see like how he is helping out or how he's listening to the complaints or like to the symptoms. It was just so much, it intrigued me. It intrigued me like people would come every couple of minutes and share uh, their pain and their inside stories with him. Because I was like, what kind of a job is this? Like, you know, people come and like chat with you and they give you fruits and vegetables. So it was very intriguing. As I grew older, I realized like how he's helping them and how he's like making a change. And this is like, you know, this is like back in the day. This is like 20, 30 decades, like years ago. So um, 
it really drew me like because I thought this is not numbers this is I'm not good with numbers everyone who knows me knows I'm not good with numbers so this is something it's like making a difference in our own way in this huge world awesome awesome that's that's really fascinating that's fascinating to hear so your grandfather must be very proud of you uh, he yes so he unfortunately he passed away just before I entered the medical school but he knew that I oh, was like sorry. stepping okay. for that and he knew I would get into that because he thought I was very bright. So, um, but yeah, he like, he was the one who kind of like was the only person around me who was a physician and that's how I drew into this profession. Awesome, awesome. So that's great. And you know, so you have a lot of experience where you have seen, you know, you've been working in India, you worked actually you trained and worked in the Bronx um, and then you chose endocrinology so firstly you know I think would love to hear about like what have you seen as the difference you know in various countries as they practice medicine um, would love to hear your thoughts around it so uh, there is a basic difference in the infrastructure the health infrastructure in every country uh, and I feel that in India it's very um, it's very uh, subjective, like, you know, it's more like clinical based. It's patients, there's so many, there's so many patients to be seen. Patients come in, you examine them, you listen to their story. You have basic labs, they do what they can do and you offer them your services and guide them their management based on that. In US, it's more, um, you know, like more centralized. So patients come in with appointments, uh, you do, a bunch of investigations and then you give your professional opinion about you know this is how we should go forward and this is how we should not go forward but at the end of the day uh the diseases i take care of is diabetes and hormones yeah which basically deal a lot with lifestyle changes behavioral changes so no matter which country you're in you know it's basically how you can make changes in your lifestyle and that's what we talk about uh, in most of our, our clinical discussions with the patients, what can we do within our own parameters to make our lives more um, more healthy and, you know, to make our metabolism quicker and faster uh, and to, like, lose those extra few pounds uh, which we have gained in the holidays or because of the pandemic. So in that way, it's it's similar. And right now, because of telemedicine, it's interesting. Because, because of telemedicine, I have seen Egypt. I've seen South Africa, I've seen Amsterdam. <laughs> um, because a lot of my patients are all over the place and it's like, we're sitting over here. Yeah. Like, okay, so show me outside the window and they will show me like the streets and the, the local vendors and you know, whatever the scene is. I've seen so many parts of the United States, like Ohio, like I've seen Arkansas, I've seen California, just because it's all like, people are all over and they can easily connect. And then we say, okay, what's going over there? What's the local food over there? Like, what are you having over there? Like, so right now in the world of telemedicine, it's, 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 it's a whole new world and it's, it gives me a lot of insight and, you know, into what, what's happening in their lifestyle. And the boundaries have merged a bit in between like different countries and different states, just because everyone is all over. And, um, it's, it's very interesting in that way. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's really fascinating and so great to hear that, you know, through your patient's eyes, you're also able to like see oh, different yeah. parts of the world. 
I have. It's very fascinating. And then they'll send me photos of those like places or something they've seen, like a local market where they get the fruits from or veggies from, so or the meat from. So it's very, it's it's really, it's very intriguing. Awesome, awesome. So obviously, you know, it looks like you're a very personable uh, physician where you connect so well with your patients that they're showing you things and they're sharing their pictures and their life with you. Um, yeah, that, that's that's actually so wonderful to hear. So, um, is that so? Why did you choose endocrinology? If if you if you don't mind us, you know, answering that. Of course, of course. Again, it goes. That would say from India. In India, we do have a lot of diabetes. We have so many patients, young and old, uh, with high blood glucose and high blood sugar, and tackling with the complications back in the day. Now, you know, things have improved, but back in the day, there were so many complications because it was uncontrolled. There was a social stigma attached to it, like back, like a few decades ago. Um, and that drew me into it because it would affect your heart, your liver, your kidneys, your mental well-being. Yeah. Uh, and also your lifestyle, because ha before having every single food items, you know, or like having a drink or something, you would think about the sugar content. It's not, life is not simple that way. Uh, so that's what drew into it you know, drew me into like um, the field of endocrinology. And that's what my main practice is. I take care of a lot of patients with right. type 1 diabetes. These are young people who got diagnosed early in life with, um, you know, uh, decreased insulin from their pancreas. And that's why they have diabetes and how I can help them, you know, how we can help them. And nowadays there's so many gadgets. If you see the world of endocrinology, yeah. there are so many there's insulin pumps, there are glucose sensors, there's so many gadgets out there. And a lot of my patients are engineers and software people. They have whole like Excel spreadsheets. Like these are my numbers. Like this is what's happening. It, and it's fun. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Like I have a patient who is who has diabetes and uh, she figured out that if she has one scoop of Eddie Brown's, uh, the slow churned ice cream, the mint flavor, her glucose remains exactly the same. It doesn't move. Okay. <laughs> and it's interesting. It's interesting how you can help make people like enjoy life without, you know, giving up on their pleasures or on their flavors. So yeah, that's like, and I would like to continue doing that. Awesome. Awesome. That that's that is so interesting to hear that all of us can still have maybe maybe all of us can still have one scoop of ice cream and our sugar levels don't fluctuate so much. I don't know about others, but maybe not for me, but maybe for it was others a very it's affected. Branch was like not taking dust, not you know, <laughs> not Ben and Jerry's. It was this this particular one. I could have this much, and that was perfect for me. I was like, okay, 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 that's great. That's great to hear. Um, and, you know, you were obviously trained in the Bronx and then you shifted to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, did you find any differences, you know, in terms of the practice itself or uh, patients? There are, I mean, there is a difference because in the Bronx, I was doing more clinical research, uh, whereas in, the, in Manhattan, I'm doing more clinical practice. Uh, so um, that's one basic difference. I was doing more research. I was seeing patients with diabetes, but giving them more of a research perspective and not clinically seeing them that much. Over here, I'm seeing them more clinically, but uh, 
doing clinical trials and helping them like you know enroll in clinical trials and give them some financial assistance with their medications that's one thing the second thing in the Bronx I feel like when I see the patients they used to come with like a lot of time and you know it's like more of those like a lot of Italian patients like it was a very different vibe uh, in Manhattan usually um, it's more like Patients are so involved over here. Patients would like be very, very extremely involved in their medical diagnosis. They would lead up, they would have valid questions and they would like, like to move forward in making the numbers better or making the hormone levels better. So they lead up a lot more. They're much more insightful into their disease and into their management. And also, people are so busy like a lot of my like patients we see are you know working in uh, the finance industry or in like very heavy professions which are very intense uh, kind of sedentary professions and there's a lot of like emotional mental work pressures associated with that so the vibe is much more intense in that way so they it's um, the juggling between a lot of things so it's different in, in the Bronx it was very easy a lot of patients like a lot of my patients would be um they would have a lot of time to take care of the disease and it would be a more like a suburban feel to it in a way yeah yeah okay okay um awesome so now i always ask this question as you know if not for being a physician what would you be what would be okay. your alternate career Oh, I, I know that answer because I made my sister do that. So I was really interested in economics. And, you know, back in the day, like we had a subject of economics. And I was like, this is very fascinating. This is interesting. So I got into medical field, but I would used to tell my younger sister, like, this seems like a fascinating subject. You know, this is very interesting. And this is like, you know, like a learned behavior. And she realized this is a fascinating subject. So she, she mastered in the field of economics. And at times I would see her books like back in the day. So if not a physician, I would have gone in the field of economics. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's great. Um, during your path, you know, as doing your journey as a physician, did you have any people, you know, obviously your grandfather was a great influence on you to choose the field of medicine, but anybody else, that were influential in your path, in your journey as a physician? Of course, my parents. My parents supported me like through and through. And I mean, you know, they nurtured me and they was like, yes, you can do it because it's not easy to be, there's so many levels of competition and you know, you need a strong um, mental well-being and a strong-willed person to support you. So my mom and my dad, like they completely, they, uh, they helped me in whatever they, they can help me um, to uh, tackle all those like, you know, hurdles and obstacles and reach where I am. So absolutely, they were 100% behind me. Uh, so that, like I come from a very strong uh, family in that way and promoting education, highly promoting education. And also uh, when I reached, I came to the Bronx. In the Bronx, uh, I, they were two people who really influenced me a lot. One, uh, within like a month or two into the clinical rotation, uh, I, I met Dr. Norman Fleischer, who was the chief of endocrinology. 
uh, he's no longer with us, but he like, I was like rotating with him and like he learning from him and he realized that I was smart. I can do this. He's like, you should like, you know, this is, this comes naturally to you, you know? So this is very nice. And he would like give me like more questions and more like, it was just very, like he like nurtured, like, okay, I can go into, into this field of endocrinology and, and specialize into it. And the second one is Dr. Meredith Hopkins. She's my mentor. I absolutely love her. And she made me passionate about this field. She made me realize that uh, it's not just like taking care of patients. There's a lot more patients involved. There's a lot more social and human aspects in, involved to clinical medicine. And he was, she was the one who, like with her, whom I did like research, I went to CMC well to do clinical research uh, during my vacation time. Uh, and uh, she, she made me feel that, okay, by doing small changes with patients, you can make a big difference in their lives, in the lives of their caregivers or their loved ones. So those two professionally are my biggest supporters. Uh, and biggest influencers in choosing endocrinology as a field. Okay, okay, great, great, great. Um, and now, if we were to ask you, what career advice would you give to a people who are choosing? You know, they're young; they're just trying to figure out where they want to be, whether to choose medicine as a career or not choose medicine as a career. So, one for them. And secondly, probably for uh, medical school residents who are trying to understand and break down saying, hey, should, should I choose a specialized in endocrinology versus cardiology, anything there? What pieces of advice would you give each one of these people? So I always tell um, whoever I meet, because we do meet a lot of medical students and people in various uh, you know, uh, levels of training, do what you like to do because you need to like what you're doing to continue doing it uh it should not feel as a pressure it should not feel like you have to do it it should come naturally from you and you should enjoy going to work and going that thing day in and day out yeah so that's and if if your heart is not in there do not go for it because you know you should like do what you got to life is too short so you should always follow your passions so to choose a medical career, it's, it's a long road. It's, it's like, it's a long road. Um, I have a sister and I have seen other people who are not in medical field and as compared to that, it's a long road. So you have to do many, many years of training and education because you're dealing with patients' lives, people's lives. It's an error can cost much more uh, as compared to any other field. And, um, so uh, like it's a long road. So if you have to choose to go into medicine, be prepared. It's going to take a lot of resilience, a lot of training, a lot of a strong will, but you'll get there. It will, it will be done, but you need to like have that, you know, uh, think in your mind that it's going to take like 10 years or something like that, but that's okay. I'll get there. So it's a long road if you want to choose medicine uh, or surgery or any other medical field. Yeah. But it's a very satisfying road. It's 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 very um, uh, thrilling. It's uh, it's very uh, it has multiple dimensions and multiple moods associated during the entire journey. 
once you are in the field of medicine and you are a medical student, then it's more like, okay, do I want to do surgery? Do I want to do medicine? Do I want to do gynecology? Do I want to do a etiologist? Like what specialization? There are a lot of memes about it, like do this profession or do that profession, because everyone thinks like we are the best, which we are, which they are in their own ways. Um, you go through each um, training, you know, in your medical school, and that's how you decide. But what I feel, and I've seen a lot of people tell me that, it's like, it's your mentor, who you connect during your training, who, which, which physician or which doctor you connected with. And you just follow that person. If you met a, an amazing surgeon and you connected with that surgeon, you'll end up becoming a surgeon. If you come into contact with an amazing radiologist and you liked what he's doing and his fashion like resonates with you, and you'll start enjoying what, you know, the field of radiology. So a lot of times people choose what they choose because they came in contact with an amazing, amazing mentor or a physician or a clinician or a, or a researcher. And they want to do research and become a PhD then, and you know, like an empty PhD. So again, explore. When once you're in medical school, you can like have, you have opportunities to meet so many clinicians, researchers, PhD, postdocs. Explore and see who resonates with you, and that's how you're going to know. Like, okay, this is how I'll end up being. Or like, of course, and you should like that profession. But a lot of it is also with the mentors you really end up liking and following. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, and love what you just said which is you know life is short do what you love yes. that was such a great great thing for all of us to hear um and yeah i mean just following that thought process you know what advice would you give to you know physicians who have already graduated and they're looking for a job opportunity or they're trying to figure out the puzzle you know do you want to work for a large hospital do you want to work for a clinic inpatient outpatient research academia nonprofit what advice would you give them oh so that's that's a very good question that's i feel a job profiles for physicians they keep changing mm -hmm. as life goes on uh, and you should never feel that you know that this is the job that this is the job which a lot of physicians feel like once they like settle into a contract um you should always we, we can always make changes in our in our job profiles as time goes on for example like when, when fresh out of you know training we want to do a lot of clinical so you want to get into uh, a group of people who are very um who are very nice people. You want to work with people who are nice people, personally, socially. So you always want to go with, you know, a nice group of physicians, administrators. That's, you know, because that's what you're daily working in and out with. And then further on, like in terms of academic or private practice or research, you can keep growing into it. You can start with like private practice or academic, do more clinical. Then you can have some research into it, some like education or training into it or teaching into it. And then you can scale back one of the components and go for the other components. So I always say like when you enter a job, look for the people you're going to work with. And the other clinical aspects, 
look for what you can do at that point of time in life. And then as you go further, you can keep changing your job profile. You can keep changing your clinical responsibilities or your teaching responsibilities or your research responsibilities. So, yeah. but the people you're working with is the most important thing when you're signing a contract. Awesome. 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 Uh, by the way, we just have a question from one of our audience, live audience uh, members who, who are asking, um, and you know, this is, I'm just going to read out what they said, which is so nice to see you. Thanks for what you do. Question for you. How do you personally measure and track the progression of your quality of practice of medicine? And second part to that is what guidance would you give to other physicians as to track their quality of practice? So that's an ex that's a very good question. And the key word is the quality of practice, not the quantity of practice. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, in a clinical field, at times it's the quantity, like how many patients are you seeing, how fast the turnover is, how fast the revenue collection is, um, which is like quantifiable, very much quantifiable. The quality of practice is very hard to measure or to track. Uh, but the best way to do it is one, to keep yourself updated with what's happening in your specific medical field. Um, so go for trainings, do online courses, like keep updated, keep reading. And for me, the best way I track the quality of my practice, my uh, services is when I talk to my patients, when, I, when they keep coming back to me, when, when um, they share their personal stories with me. Uh, that tells me that I have achieved something with them and the quality of practice is uh, going in the right direction. Yeah. Because um, especially with telemedicine visits and a lot of electronic system, we use a lot of like my chart and messaging with the patients, not even like calling, like messaging. And when patients at the end of the say, thank you, Dr. Goel, like you're reachable, you're approachable. That tells me that I've attained a good quality of practice. Uh, with my patients, and I, and that's how I personally track that I'm approachable and easily reachable uh, to the people I care about. Awesome. So great to hear that, you know, hey, uh, patient satisfaction is one way where you're able to track yes. quality of your practice. Yes. And, Absolutely. you know, just holding yourself up high standards by keeping up to date with the list, latest in your clinical technologies or anything there that's holding yourself up there that's both are really really important that's that's great um and just you know i think dreaming beyond this right like if you were given 100 million dollars to spend and improve healthcare in this nation oh. how would you do it oh my god that's that's a lot of money that can actually make a lot of change in a lot of ways <laughs> um Honestly, sir, that's a, that's like that's a bummer. Like, there's so many different things you can do with that money. Like, I don't know. I mean, uh, I would like use a lot of it for education of the patients, for like you know, like giving yeah. them those like uh, because in healthcare, like the more people are educated, the better they can take care of their own health. So, uh, one is spending a lot of money in patient literacy patient education is one way to improve healthcare as a whole, I feel. Uh, 
and uh, second is making it accessible. I don't know how to say that because I'm not an entrepreneur, but making healthcare accessible yeah. to patients, which it is not. You would think it is, but it, it is not. It's not easy to have access to healthcare or to professionals or to physicians right now. So in yeah. whatever way I can, you know, like um, in whatever way the, you know, the hundred million dollars can help people reach out uh, and easily reach out and, you know, to physicians or uh, healthcare providers and take care. Yeah. Uh, of the yeah. uh, pressing issues, that would be nice because it's the access to care is not easy in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, no, that's so great. Like education and access to healthcare, you know, include yeah. these two things. Um, you know, it could go a really long way. Yeah. That's that's great to hear. Um, so, last question for you. You know, through this pandemic, definitely it's been a very challenging time. For a lot of frontline workers, how have you managed to, you know, keep strong, keep your mind strong, and go through this? And what advice would you give other clinicians out there to keep themselves strong? And as we see the light at the end of the tunnel here. So, personally speaking, uh, for me, the the one and only thing which helped me in the past year is I have an amazing group of friends and family and have an, um, like I'm blessed, knock on the foot. And I keep telling my husband the same thing. My social circle is something which made me strong and um, helped me pass through this tough time and kept my spirits up and about. Yeah. Uh, we would do Zoom calls. We would, you know, chat over the phone. We would have like, group messages, uh, like in whatever way we can connect, we would keep connecting and asking, is everyone okay with friends and family? Uh, and cooking different dishes and like, you know, sharing the recipes and doing, so social, having a social circle is a very important thing. Even if it includes one or two or three yeah. people, but just being connected to, a diff, uh, to another human being keeps you sane. Um, so, I think that really helped me with this pandemic. Okay. Okay. And so any advice would you give to clinicians to as they're going through this? Um, well, it's all, like you said, it's the almost the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And the first advice is it's almost there. It's almost there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other advice is like keep doing what they're doing. It's not even the physicians. I feel like what I felt like the nurses, our nurses, our, our, our staff members, our support system in terms of the technicians, like, you know, the, the office managers, they helped us so much. Like I, I really salute the nurses and the managers who helped us so much through this because they would take care of so many things which we didn't have to think about. Yeah. So, and, uh, like they really deserve a true, uh, you know, hands of appreciation because that was amazing. Yeah. But for physicians, it's almost there. People are such so much like, uh, you know, um, 
educated about this new, 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 new medical diagnosis. And uh, they are getting in terms with COVID-19 and making lifestyle changes in accordance to this pandemic. So hopefully this is going to be a better year, a nicer year, a more um, open year, and we can be out and about. Awesome, awesome. That's great, that's great. I think we might have one more question from our audience. We'll just see um, if there's anything. Okay, um, I don't think so. Okay, so that's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Akanksha Goyal for being here and spending time with us on the Saturday. And thank you for all the advice that you've given all you know, clinicians here. Uh, we really appreciate you coming to our show. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was amazing. Smile with Sai. It's a Saturday. Yes. Uh, great, 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 folks. So uh, once again, folks, thanks for being here with us. Um, you know, if you are um, in the audience, you know, please like, share, and subscribe to Direct Shifts, any of our social, med, uh, social media platforms. And then we're definitely like and go to our site. You can see all our activity. Uh, and yeah, look forward to having, you know, a next guest next weekend. But until then, have a great weekend and week. Take care, folks. Bye.